My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer. And on today's show, our guest is an author, a coach, a comedian, a podcast host, and an all-around really cool guy. I met Owen at Porcupine Freedom Fest, just like I did our last guest, Etienne. So synchronistically, we're releasing these episodes back-to-back. I didn't plan that at all, I promise. Just the magical synchronicity and, you know, the cyclical nature of life. And Owen and I got into that topic, the broad topic that is life and and all of the philosophical speculation you may have come to know and expect from this show. But Owen is a very qualified person to do that. You see... Not only is he a comedian, not only is he a podcaster, not only is he an avid reader, thinker, and I would say trailblazer, he's also a coach. Get coached, hashtag get coached with Owen if you are resonating with today's conversation. And uh, not just that, he's got a book club, Reality Trans Surfing. You can join the reality reading room and get some tips on how to navigate this matrix that Michael and I talk about on your handbook for the apocalypse. Shout out to Chance Garten, our patron. We got some new patrons that joined the show recently. We got to give them some spiritual animal names in the outro of this show. So stick around till the end when we give the spirit animal names to our newest patrons and maybe we'll give one to owen as well since he is a badass and a cool dude like i said i met him at freedom fest he was driving around in a golf cart giving people rides just a cool dude helped me and my girlfriend tara get settled and today's conversation you know manifestation was the topic at hand we manifested a lot on that trip up to New Hampshire. And coincidentally, Owen was one of the people that we met when we were there. Anyways, this is a really interesting 
conversation. We got into cannabis. We got into addiction. We got into the simulation theory and how that plays into transurfing reality. Overcoming what entraps us. Toxic positivity. Reality transurfing. And Owen shared his perspective on the new age, woo age, law of attraction, BS, or maybe where the truth lies in between the more inflammatory or exciting or derailing or just straight up not useful information that's clogging up our ability to manifest productively. You know, so we got into a masterful manifestation discourse today this is you know one of those conversations that you can use to maybe reflect on your life and and see where you could make some changes and these are the kind of conversations when i was a podcast listener that quite honestly i would avoid you know i was always interested in the more in the more informational episodes which this episode is not short of that at all. We got into Yuri Bezmanov and, and the influence he has had. We talked about G. Edward Griffin and a bunch of other very interesting figures. The Kabbalion, the Tao Te Ching, and Bootsy himself. Audiobooks that he's narrated. You can find those all at BootsyGreenwood.com. Again, a masterful manifestation conversation with Bootsy Greenwood. He's got a Kajabi where you can get in touch with him as a coach. He's got courses. He's got jokes, folks. That's right. He's got tour dates. Go and check him out on the road. Maybe he'll be coming to a city near you. Who knows? But again, producer, comedian, author, improviser, student of the mysteries of the universe he is a voice who inspires people to discover the nature of reality through humor love and encouragement and he certainly encouraged me to look at things from the bright side and here we are on the my family thinks some crazy podcast thank you for listening and enjoy today's episode with my friend bootsy greenwood aka owen hunt but first a quick phone call from the homie Romy. Baby, what's going on, dude? Uh, just driving over here to this place. <laughs> okay, very cool. What are you doing? I'm just calling to ask about the energetic architecture, and maybe we can get a clearer picture on what we're both gonna research. Oh hell yeah! So what's on your mind, dog? Oh well, I was just. Uh, sending you something somewhat of a title of like what to call this because that's like you know one of the things we are talking about the other day is like it, it kind of I, I get stumbled on my words when I think when I'm trying to describe Tartarian architecture but without calling it Tartarian because like I said I think it's, I think it's bigger than that so I thought resonance architecture was was kind of fun and I was just seeing what you thought of that yeah yeah i i want to f- try to figure out like the proper term because you're right that is that is definitely you know that's the that's the biggest problem i have with the tartaria stuff is just like we can't make tartaria uh 
umbrella term because then it takes the value out of the true history and that's what the whole concept is that they're rewriting history so we can't contribute to that misunderstanding of history you know you know what I mean homie Romy no, no I agree bro like that's a 100% I've said it before blanket it's like a blanket term or an umbrella term whatever it is it's like we need to be careful treading these waters because I'm starting to see psyops forming you know there, there's some you know I don't know it's crazy it's it's wild it's a huge huge realm and so I'm just trying to Keep it chill. Keep it cruise. Keep keep it to keep it to the the mystical wonderment of it all. I, and so, like, I'm creating a, a PowerPoint presentation thing that I've never done before. And so, I'm gonna bring it on Monday. And I'm gonna kind of just I'm not gonna like say like any answers or anything like that. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna kind of string along this this thought process that I have. And then at the end of it, then it will be like, it'll be like, all right, so <laughs> let's kind of decipher this together because this is all my own doing and, and see what your beautiful mind can take away from this and, and add to it and all that stuff. As opposed to me being like, this is a presentation of work I've been working on for years, you know, <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. No, the collaborative side of it. I love it, man. So you're driving, you don't have anybody in the car. You got a moment to talk. You drive somewhere quick, somewhere long. You, you mind talking on the phone? Should I let you go? You got a moment? Uh, yeah, I definitely have like five, five solid minutes and then I got to get out and I'm meeting with somebody. So, but I, yeah, I'm in only in the car with my dog at the moment. Right on. Well, it's just three of us doing this extended intro to my newest episode with Bootsy Greenwood, a.k.a. Owen Hunt, and you don't know, you might not know who he is, doesn't matter. The point of these extended intros is to give people a look into what's going on in my life and who my friends are and whatnot, and homie Romy and I synchronistically linked up after leaving messages back to back in the (laughs) joint sessions of the Higher Side Chats, but yeah, brother, I'm excited to do this, uh, resonance architecture presentation this monday with you i just i'm thinking now like there's a couple books that come to mind that i should research one of them i think i mentioned on your show when we did the rising from the ashes podcast for the first time i think you had me on as a guest architecture mysticism and myth by william letheby and I don't know if he makes has the same idea that we have, but just based on the title alone, I'm gonna just assume that there's probably some information in this book that I can collect, and uh, this will probably be one of my sources for for what I have to present. But for those who are just listening, <clears throat> this episode will be out after uh, or before our episode comes out. So, you know, the plan is to do something kind of inspired by what I've seen my friend Michael Wan do, where everybody involved in the episode spends uh, a f- equal amount of time presenting. And then the latter portion of the conversation is like a, a collaboration of the ideas. So that's what you and I are going to do. Have you done anything like that before? 
Not I, no, I have not. You know, when you listen to Rising from the Ashes, we kind of are more of an interview base, so we're bringing guests on and kind of just going that route. So, but this is something that all of kind of my people I listen to and look forward to and that our researchers do, you know, Michelle Gibson, Michael Wan, Ross Ben, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting for me and it's actually going to be very helpful to have these kind of like, I, I guess maybe platforms or, or what have these presentations to get my thought across because mm. oftentimes I get jumbled up on, on words, you know, I, I'm not, I, I love words, I, I, but they're, they're, they're rather enticing in their mystical magic way and so I, I think this will be a, a good a good way for me to get a lot of information across that I've been meaning to get across but haven't been able to verbally right on yeah dude I I definitely feel the same way like uh, and I don't do a lot of live streams I don't do a lot of video content stuff but I want to do more of that so I'm excited to hear that you're gonna use PowerPoint and we're gonna get into that on a visual level too because you can't talk about architecture without having some visuals i mean even if you know the terms it's like who's gonna know what like a dragon beam is unless you show them that yeah and and that's exactly the point is like we want to share this with you guys more than just on a verbal level we want you guys to see exactly what we're talking about because there's something you know when you gather all the five senses together which granted we're only going to be we're going to have the five senses but not all necessarily at the same focal point in place because if we were there touching it and smelling it and potentially licking it uh, with our other senses we'd have a lot more takeaway from it but you know with another it's just another great great part to add to the content that we're trying to make and the truth that we're trying to spread so I'm excited to do it dude and you know I you're such an, an amazing host for any reasons and friend and dear amazing human in general to be so open and to this to this stuff you know for my first time I feel I feel like it's such an honor no worries dude it's uh you know I appreciate you saying that but at the same time you know we talk a fair bit so I trust you I think you're gonna come up with some information that that a lot of the listeners are going to find really interesting and i'm wondering what else is going on in the world you know that's the other idea with this intro not just to talk about promotional stuff and what we're doing but like what life has been like lately i mean for me it's getting colder less daylight you know i'm hunkering down i'm hanging out with my girl trying to dig into more books read more books i just got isaac weishaupt's book conspiracy theories and unpopular culture it's like the greatest hits from his podcast i've been reading through that today oh nice nice oh, i didn't know he did that i love what i love weishaupt isaac weishaupt that is <laughs> that's tight yeah me bro in california i mean we're geoengineered central over here like you know, you know, with the with the farming that I do, I, I keep my eye on the on the man-made weather on the on the website, and so like I, I see when you know the rain's coming, and so it's funny because like you know just a few days ago it was seventy and clear in the middle of the day, and I see some I see some planes in the air. They're not commercial planes, right? They're they're planes leaving some sort of fart behind them, some fart mm. trail. And I was like, wow, it's not supposed to rain. I see that. And I'm like, I think rain. I see a plane and I just start to be like, oh, it's going to rain soon. 
I was like, oh, but it's not supposed to rain until the 11th, you know? And this was like a few days ago. This was like, I look on the 14th day channel and they tell me that it's going to rain on the 11th with a 70% chance of precipitation, uh, you know, almost almost like 12 days out in advance. And so like, that's my, on my mind. And I'm like, oh, it's not supposed to rain for like, uh, like 10 days. What the fuck? So then I look it up and then like the next day is supposed to rain and then we've been having like little sprinkles of rain for three days and it was just incredibly convenient to the plane seeing you know the plane farts in the sky and I was just like wow you know I try to it slips my mind from time to time thus I am you know dick deep in the geoengineering <laughs> in Northern California I mean like there's a lot of strange stuff happening out here you know due to like we're 45 minutes away from Bohemian Grove in Santa Rosa which is where the west coast which isn't like majority of the occultic breakdown of this country. Like that's mainly wherever where you're at on that side. I see a lot of that, but Santa Rosa is in fact, I mean, we've got a Rosicrucian temples and, and, and libraries and we got Masonic ones and, and then it's right. It's only 45 minutes away from San Francisco, which is huge. And, so yeah, man, it's just been crazy. I don't know. I just I've been trying to keep it sane, keep sane with my with my dog here. He's he's my best friend, one of one of the many best friends that I have, including you, because I fucking love you. Oh, thanks, brother. Well, that's why I gotta have you on the show more. I know you and Dan do the extended intros for your show. The Grimerica show has always done that, and I I think I mentioned this, but I'm definitely inspired by their show greg's show sam's show i mean all these inspirations each week i listen and then i'm like oh what like what am i gonna do to make my show better and this is what i've resolved to do create my own little style and have the homies on for the intro and it's probably going to be a revolving cast of homies for the for the foreseeable future we'll see i don't know if anybody's nailed down as a permanent co-host yet or if we'll ever even have one i don't know if i'm I'm really looking for that but yeah brother it's been uh rotating co-host that's genius well i don't again i don't know if that's my idea either but i think ryan dean does that with his dangerous world episodes now i've participated in a few of them they're more like outros than intros so we're not completely doing the same thing but yeah I, I definitely look forward to many more of these. I know you said you don't have much time, but but yeah, just... Oh, one thing about things in the sky. My girlfriend and I were on our way back from a vegan restaurant the other night, and we walk into the backyard, we look up in the sky, and my mom's like, look, look, look. And there are this these string of uh, blue lights just like flying through the sky off in the distance, and I'm like, damn, what is that? So I... You know start running towards it and the closer i got the further into the street lights i got so i could see it even less unfortunately but yeah it was it's really weird have you ever seen anything like that a string of blue lights yeah i mean like define the string oh well like the a row like the like four or five blue lights moving in one direction but in a straight line, uh, you know, one after another. No, that sounds amazing, though. I love that kind of shit. I wish I'd seen it. <laughs> yeah, they were, like, moving in unison, like, like almost like, uh, you know, each light, light was, you know, a 
cart and a train like they were all it looked like they were all part of the same thing you know but then when we looked up like the elon musk satellite launch it kind of looked like kind of looked like what they're setting up with starlink so to your point about geoengineering i mean they're doing all kinds of atmosphere manipulation through satellites through weather manipulation i mean it's the the list goes long 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 but we'll be talking about some interesting stuff coming up this monday so people can look forward to that and and yeah i'll let you go homie have a well real quick real quick before we sign off sorry 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 oh, don't be sorry so this morning i was listening to episode 12 of the mystic mark and uncle mike of the apocalypse cool thank yes, you listening to episode 12 and there was multiple synchro mystic situations that happened within the time i was listening to that episode so one you guys were talking about a man named gabe right a friend named gabe and just maybe two days before that, I had connected with Gabe on Telegram. He hit me up in a, on a private message, and then we started talking. And then I, I like then I was just like, "Oh, sweet! I love your concept, bro. I'll book you for the show." Didn't know you'd had him on or were friends with him or Michael or anybody. And then so then that happened. And then then and then I got off the the podcast and onto my phone for a second pop and trying to do some more research and then he uh, slick dissident popped up on a on a new video that just dropped so i was like whoa crazy and then and then as i was listening to your episode i was thinking about this friend that i needed to meet up with in town today and then she called me just as i was like a couple minutes after just even thinking about her so it seems like when i listen to you and michael and have just more like people in that synchro mystic realm that's when the the magic happens and the vibes start to pop and like i notice more synchronicities and it's crazy i love it i love it and i love that you shared that with me we just recorded the 13th episode today we talked about a bunch of different things that episode will be out by the time this one is out so folks hopefully have listened to that already but yeah brother it's been it's been synchronistic from the start like we mentioned at the beginning so i just expect them to keep rolling on through you know man this is beautiful i'm stoked for your show today stoked for many more to come and thank you for just just give me a buzz man it's always beautiful no worries brother and then also this call had to been synchronistic as well i mean because it all happened at that same moment (laughs) that's wild because you you were you're on your way to go see that friend that you were synchronistic like that's (laughs) happening right now just for the listeners so they know we're not just making this all up (laughs) all right brother well thank you for joining me completely unplanned thank you for listening to the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast enjoy this conversation with owen hunt and be sure to check out the homie romy and our friend dan danunaki on their podcast rising from the ashes and of course the homie romy's got some new projects coming out very soon so stay tuned for that Now on to more My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with your host, Mark Palmer, and today's guest, Owen Hunt. One. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. 
the name that can be named is not the eternal name. The unnameable is the eternally real. Naming is the origin of all particular things. Free from desire, you realize the mystery. Caught in desire, you see only the manifestations. Yet mystery and manifestations arise from the same source. This source is called darkness. Darkness within darkness. The gateway to all understanding. Two. When people see some things as beautiful, others become ugly. When people see some things as good, other things become bad. Being and non-being create each other. Difficult and easy support each other. Long and short define each other. High and low depend on each other. Before and after follow each other. Therefore the master acts without doing anything and teaches without saying anything. Things arise and she lets them come. Things disappear and she lets them go. She has but doesn't possess, acts but doesn't expect. When her work is done, she forgets it. That is why it lasts forever. Three. If you overesteem great men, people become powerless. If you overvalue possessions, people begin to steal. The master leads by emptying people's minds and filling their cores, by weakening their ambition and toughening their resolve. He helps people lose everything they know, everything they desire, and creates confusion in those who think that they know. Practice not doing and everything will fall into place. Four. The Tao is like a well, used but never used up. It is like the eternal void, filled with infinite possibilities. It is hidden but always present. I don't know who gave birth to it, it is older than God. Five. The Tao doesn't take sides. It gives birth 
to both good and evil. The Master doesn't take sides. She welcomes both saints and sinners. The Tao is like a bellows. It is empty, yet infinitely capable. The more you use it, the more it produces. The more you talk of it, the less you understand. Hold on to the center. Six. The Tao is called the Great Mother. Empty, yet inexhaustible. It gives birth to infinite worlds. It is always present within you. You can use it any way you want. Seven. The Tao is infinite, eternal. Why is it eternal? It was never born. Thus, it can never die. Why is it infinite? It has no desires for itself. Thus, it is present for all beings. The master stays behind. That is why she is ahead. She is detached from all things. That is why she is one with them. Because she has let go of herself, she is perfectly fulfilled. Eight. The supreme good is like water, which nourishes all things without trying to. It is content with the low places, the people disdain. Thus, it is like the Tao. In dwelling, live close to the ground. In thinking, keep to the simple. In conflict, be fair and generous. In governing, don't try to control. In work, do what you enjoy. In family life, be completely present. When you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everyone will respect you. What you been up to, man? It's been a while. It has been a while. Man, I've been busy doing stand-up and working on a pilot with a friend of mine. And, and then I'm launching a new offer, the Reality Transurfing Book Club. So those are the things that I've mostly been up to. Yeah. And other than that, like a lot of personal development stuff, you know, my own sort of work. I did this really cool acting. Well, it's not really an acting process, but a process that kind of is like an identity branding or personal branding sort of workshop type of thing. Right. It was phenomenal, dude. Like I was blown away because they were just taking Jungian concepts and Joseph Campbell's story stuff and they packaged it in such a beautiful, humane way. It's like 
you know, me being in the fucking self-help spiritual world, there's so much fakery and like denial and toxic positivity bullshit that you lose sight of the disgustingly crusty taint that is a human being in a, and you can see that in a beautiful way though. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the weakness and the, 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 the disappointment and the depression and the fucking struggle and all the things that make us who we are, like these perfectly imperfect beings that we are, you know? And, I love uh, it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what that really illuminated, you know, me and made me feel like I had a little bit better grasp on how people perceive me too, which is hugely helpful because then if I know that, then I can confirm it for people, you know? And I thought I was walking around looking like a QAnon bouncer. In reality, I just look like the nicest Harley salesman you've ever met, you know? So <clears throat> uh, like been doing a lot of work on just understanding myself, you know? Yeah. And you're your own uh, biggest critic. And, you know, that being said, do you really care what other people think? You know, that's liberating, but it, it is this obstacle that, seems to get in the way when especially when you do something like this or what you do you know getting up on on stage with a microphone and, and making a crowd laugh that's definitely nerve-wracking i've done a few open mics so i know <laughs> what that's like but even the podcasting thing it doesn't you know happen overnight getting comfortable expressing yourself in a way that is open to scrutiny really uh, I think that's what blocks a lot of people from getting into it, is they're worried about the scrutiny. What is what is the secret for you? How do you overcome those things that tend to entrap us? Just through the work in the, the process, man, the daily sort of attention that it takes. I mean, for me, I have been working really hard on just developing and, and trying to find this line between self-help and self-development. Like self-help is healing. Self-development is accepting the things about ourselves that make us purely unique. So there's this weird discrepancy in my field where, and, and maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of people share this. I've noticed it in myself, I guess I should say. I'm not trying to like call people out here. This is me. That a lot of the things that I want to change about myself are the very things that make me charming or, or unique, you know, or, or human or relatable. You know, it's like I took this workshop and the one thing I wrote down, they were like, what do you not want to be referred to? I'm like, fucking puppy. I don't want to be called a puppy, you know, but they totally reframed it for me. Like throughout this whole workshop, you know, accepting the things that we are, that we may not, may not be comfortable with yet featuring, they can be reframed. So for instance, I don't want to be called a puppy. But, you know, they, they work in essence statements. So one of those essence statements is blustery winds blew and lightning crashed. The sky cracked open and a puppy emerged. <laughs> right. And so you see how it's confirming of that essence, but it also kind of fights against it. Mm. So there's like a little bit of a mystery there, but it also is, is, is accurate of, of the persona, you know? So, so in understanding who, who I am and how I come across that, that I expect to hopefully help it, it has already, but hugely in comedy as well as like just relating to people, just being aware of how I come across to somebody else. If, if you think you're a threat, but you're gentle, then it's, it, you're not con really congruent, right? And so in doing this work, it was all about leaning into 
the things about ourselves that we were maybe um, vul- vulnerable to admit or afraid to admit, you know, or maybe a little resistant, but, but finding a way to feature those things. So I, you know, I'm really about resolving this because I, I, I'll say this too, to wrap that thought up, self-help and self-development are one hand washing another. You know, there's so many times that I get caught up in trying to change something about myself that I shouldn't. And that just makes me spin my wheels and uh, expend a lot of energy. Well, I need to do the self-development part, but also need to do the self-help part. And one leads to the other. So every time I'm doing development and saying, hey, what what are my tastes? What do I actually like? What do I really want to do for me, right? And And I explore that. Then something comes up, like some sort of trauma from like a childhood memory or something like that, you know, a, a thing that I forgot about. And that can help me to heal and integrate, right? So both these processes are kind of happening simultaneously, the self-help thing and the self-development thing. But for me, it's helped a lot to focus on them separately because I can see the beauty in being humane and vulnerable and you know, bone crushing. I call comedy tragedy times tragedy. That's what I think <laughs> comedy is. Like people are like, it's tragedy plus time and distance. And you carry the three. I'm like, nah, dude, it's when <laughs> destructive things happen to really nice people. Or, you know, it's like that. It, it just is what it is. And I like bone crushing, honest comedy. I just like that. It's not necessarily my style. Like I like to mix you know, the whole spirituality and, and humanity thing. And I'm, and I'm continuing to work on my act as I kind of understand better how I come across. So it's been a hugely valuable tool for me, you know, and, and that's what I've been working on uh, as well as, you know, with clients and stuff. So I think, I think we need to remember and, and be okay with some of the things that we perceive to be shortcomings because they're actually benefits in disguise. They're things that, are really fucking superpowers. Right. Yeah. I probably say this ad nauseum, but it's like glass half full versus glass half empty. And you hear that enough. It makes you want to take the glass and throw it against the brick wall. But you know, it really is true and you can't avoid it. I mean, there are the yin and the yang, like I have behind me expressed in all, you know, and and there are two sides of it. Even a shortcoming can end up being the bearer of the greatest lesson you ever learn. You know, and, and that's, that's the struggle. And hence the name of the show. My family thinks it's, my family thinks I'm crazy. And they probably also think it's crazy that I'm doing this, but they're always the hardest people to convince. And even when it comes to things that aren't even conspiratorial, I mean, the term conspirituality, uh, I heard you and Chance, shout out to Chance from the Interverse podcast. I heard you guys jump in uh, back and forth on some of these ideas and I really, I agree with, you know, a lot of what both of you said. It's important to, to bring up here because when you're learning as much as we are learning with the awareness that we have, it's important to not let that derail you. And I think what people do with the whole, like, Chance even uses term doom scroll. You're just like, you're just scrolling, 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 and there's more doom the more, the further you go down. I think the fact that you're even aware of the truth on that level of reality, that's a positive, no matter what, because you're better off than every other person out there who might not be able to avoid those pitfalls because they're just simply not aware of it. That's really why I take a lot of joy in having these conversations as dark as they can get. But when it comes to ourselves, 
it's not as easy to apply that when, when we take a look at ourselves and, and I find that like mystic Mark, that name sort of came from when I started my art creating crystals and whatnot, when I became an artist, but the pseudonym mystic Mark, it kind of, it, it does, it's not a split personality, but it's almost like an identity that is me that I can identify with that brings a side of me out or a confidence in me out that maybe just regular old Mark doesn't have. And I know I've heard the story behind Bootsy Greenwood. I know it's not really to that effect, but do you feel that way when you're on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, and I think there are many, right. That we could choose from, like you could have several different statements, a la the puppy statement or something else, right? Like a Spanish woman in a lumberjack's body. That was a joke that I did for a while about myself. And and that's, that's not untrue at all about me. So, you know, like, so I think there are even levels to that, right? Like there's, there's mystic, there's so many marks, you know, and it's, it's whichever one, whichever sort of vibration, I guess, to, to use a woo term that you kind of want to do. And, you know, I, I guess I have to be in that glass half full sort of space because talking about the doom scroll stuff, it just never worked for me as far as getting an audience or being like vibrant, you know, like I have to, I have to be very uh, careful with the information that I put in because I'm just, I don't know if I'm just emotionally sensitive or, or, or what, you know, but like my, awakening process was three years of bone crushing depression and trying to convince my parents to, you know, buy a farm and, and, and the sky was falling. And what I was saying wasn't untrue really, even however many years ago that was, you know, in 2012 is when, you know, really started for me, but like those first three years were really hard. And my heart goes out to anybody who is having to process this about reality it is bone, talk about bone crushing, bone crushing truth. You know, if you were on the outside looking in at somebody having their world shifted, it's fucking funny. You know, you have that perspective. You're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then you watch them get the ahas. And that's, and, and there is a, a funny element to that from the observer's perspective. But, you know, from, from my heart, I just want to help people process and be optimistic and move forward because, there's all these things happening that doesn't put us in a victim place. In fact, it puts us in a place where we really need to be uh, moving probably double time on creating more systems. And I have to applaud you for bringing this community together. Dude, I, I can't tell you how many amazing people I've met because of the alt media United. And that is all your brainchild. So, Oh man, that's, that's so good to hear. Dude, it is. I mean, Alex Stein, that guy cracks me up, dude. I mean, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, everybody there that I've uh, encountered so far has been amazing. And I was just on a show uh, last night with a dangerous world guy and uh, Ryan Dean. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was awesome. There was a bunch of guys there, you know, moral Bob was there and just a lot of, were you on the master debater Monday show? I was on the master debaters. Right on. All right. Cool, man. It was, it was such a great show. And, you know, so I met so many great people and that's really, that's what my heart is, dude. Like I want to see a community thrive and benefit because we have that opportunity. And I'm only repeating G Edward Griffin's words from a Ricky's podcast with him back last year when uh, he had, he was on that show. I was wrecked. I was like, fuck, it's over. You know, we're done. Might as well just 
max my credit cards out. This was literally thoughts that I was having, you know, who cares anyway, you know, literally like I thought the jig is up, right? I was, yeah, I, I have known about all of the sort of conspiracy world, not all of it, right? But like I've known a, a good bit about all of it. And, and, and I have been following it for a, a while and it took me a long time to just get that sense of self back. So when that happened and I saw G Edward Griffin on that podcast, union of the unwanted, he, he had some really powerful things to say. And in that moment, it totally shook me and, and made me change the way that I was approaching things. Cause he said, this is the, the catalyst that we need. He's like, I didn't think I was going to see this in my lifetime. He's like, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity because this is the catalyst that we need to begin to create our own communities and systems. And so that's the next part. That's the next phase of this, whether you want to believe a new earth or you want to believe doom and gloom is we're going to have to you know, continue to survive and thrive. I hope we thrive. Right. And so we have, it's up to us ultimately, you know, the, the onus of how we live in the world, the choices that we make and what we support, you know, with our attention, our energy, our consent, you know, we are choosing at every turn. So the more that we can really focus on our own energy and helping each other, I think the better off we're going to be. So I just want to be a cheerleader, I guess. And, and cause you know, I, there's a lot to do, but I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think if you did say, you know, I want to like, like, like I'm, I'm a, I, I want to challenge, <laughs> then you might choose coming to the earth at a time like now, you know what I'm saying? To Great like point. Really? Yeah. Experience the fucking, you're like, well, what do you want to do? You want to, you want to tie like a two out of 10 experience or you're like, you want to go full throttle. You're like apocalypse, bro. Put me in coach. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that's a great opportunity to plug my new show, your handbook for the apocalypse. Cause if it is an apocalypse, you might need a handbook, but thank you for saying what you said about alt media United. Before I touch on that, what you just mentioned, I think is so important because it really brings us full circle on the question about awareness and I think that's something that you cannot underestimate as a, as a being in this planet, whether you believe in the afterlife or the before life or whatever it is. For me, in my life, when that idea, whether it's true or not, came into my mind and I, I just, for whatever reason, it makes sense to me. Maybe we can call that faith. But either way, when I realized that, okay, there is a higher order of things and I might be able to benefit that in a positive way just for the sake of it, not because I want to get to the top myself, but because you find that through doing good, good happens. And what, what better way to do good than make the world a better place for everybody? And I think that's like you put it, we came here in this time with this awareness to take on this challenge and when you're empowered with that the doom becomes just another mood flip that word around what is doom it's just mood and if you're in that mood it's temporary because we're in a changing universe and and on the point about alt media united thank you and i'm glad that the community is growing and it's helped you in that way because when we met I was on my way to Freedom Fest, Porcupine Fest, and really the the goal at that point was to grow the cooperative. We were just kind of starting off. Alex Sikaris, host of the Skeptical Podcast, helped me build this up to what it is. 
And then I saw that Richard Grove was going there. He's talking all about it. I saw that you were going there. You had me on your show, I think, a month or two prior. So I was like, I got to get up there. I got to meet these people in person. This is going to be fun. My girlfriend and I just, like, we were only together for a couple months at that point. So it was our first, like, trip together. And so, yeah, it ended up really anchoring. I think that's so important is... If you're in this digital space and you're you're feeling some kind of empowerment, don't hesitate to f- to build something like this. For me, Alt Media United, obviously, it's just a website and a cooperative. But like what Greg from the Higher Side Chats and what the Grimerica Show, I mean, you were there. What they've been doing, the big guys, what the big dogs are doing, they're saying, hey, here's a forum Start your own meetups. That's what Greg does. And then the Grimerica guys, they put together these awesome meetups where if you're if you're lucky enough to to get a ticket, you go and hang out with someone like Owen, Randall Carlson, David Matheson, you know. And I think that's so inspiring. And that's the the future for Alt Media United, in my opinion, is we're gonna work on creating more live spaces, opportunities for people to participate in this alternative because the future is bright. And I'm sure you you deal with this all the time, talking to people and helping people. What inspired you to go a little further and take on that position as coach? Well, you know, uh, that's a good question because there's a lot of like t- emotions when you just, you're like, oh, I'm going to mentor people like, oh yeah, really bud? What qualifies you, you know? But I, I, I have an extensive background in, you know, like outdoor education. Uh, you know, I was a educator for kids and doing outdoor stuff for years and years. And then I went and did Outward Bound in Costa Rica uh, and worked for them and then became a raft guide and, and did a ski instructor stint and taught kids how to ski. And so as far as teaching went, you know, I, I definitely had some experience there and I have a degree in recreation and leisure studies. I make a joke about it all the time because I'm the only person I know who uses their degree, you know, <laughs> and it's recreation and leisure that's, studies. That's so funny. My <laughs> former, the former co-host on the show is also a recreation and leisure major. And he, he works for, I think he works for, I don't want to dox him, but he did have a, a couple of jobs in that field, but now he doesn't. So <laughs> that, that point is very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But we studied all kinds of stuff, you know, group dynamics, chicks me highs flow theory. That was kind of cutting edge, all the positive psychology stuff really before it trended. We were study we were starting to study that within recreation and leisure, but I narrated a book uh, a few years ago reality transurfing and then started working with that group. And then I started coaching on that model and got clients that way. So I built up some experience with that. And then in 2021, I went full-time for myself with under, without being really under any uh, umbrella or anything. And just uh, really, you know, wanted to do something different and, uh, and offer what I wish existed when I, you know, needed the resources it's when, when we focus on creation and, and making things and telling our story, I think that's an important part of it to keep in mind is like you could, if you could go back, you know, a couple of years or a few years to where you were, what were the things that you personally, because the obstacle winds up becoming the way, and this is how we can tease some things about ourselves out and our purpose and what, how we can help people and how we can implement that, you know, that purpose and that idea of who we are, whatever that identity is. And those sort of things just kind of wrap together. I, I guess through exploring purpose 
so much myself and really asking that question like all my life and never figuring out, but doing all the things like ski instructor, raft, like doing all this stuff to try to like figure out what is it? Is it scuba diving? No, that's not your purpose, bro. <laughs> like, it's funny that I thought that. And, and a lot of people think that some role in society is their purpose. It's not, it's much deeper than that. And it will open many, many, many doors in roles in society and functions and skill sets and those types of things. But that purpose is something that I looked for for so fucking long and it just eluded me, you know? So for years and years and years, and finally when I figured it out, I was really stoked about it. <laughs> so I can help people, you know, with that process. That's one of the things that I do. And then from there implement because I'm kind of a little bit of a jack of all trades. And I think that there's an unnecessary judgment to that idea of being a jack of all trades. I think there's a lot of people who are generalists and really very talented, you know, that because that's a two-part saying. It's jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than master of one. So, I mean, you might not have the, the master, master beat you know, every single time, but sometimes you, you can pull some cool stuff off because of the reference experience and skill that you have and maybe come at things, you know, in a different way. If it's one process, then it's not necessarily that difficult to implement a process in another field. Right. And so understanding the process means that you can use it. It's like, if you learn how to learn, you can learn anything. Right. That interdisciplinary uh, study, I think, is the the weird, obfuscated term for it. Just much like recreation and leisure. I mean, it sounds like you're getting a job, uh, a degree, and hanging out, you know. But what you find uh, is that you're you're learning the secrets of action and intelligence. I mean, really, like active intelligence happens through movement, through discovery, through exploration. And lately with my like history tangents that I've been going down, I get this sense that like there was a time when human beings did something like what you were instructing people to do more regular and it was it was more epic, like like their lives literally depended on it. And now our society has really consumerized everything down to the and compartmentalized everything down to like these little minute experiences like yeah for a day we swam with dolphins and we we canoed near alligators and it's all packaged into this thing that 100 years ago there was a lot of weight to those experiences and i don't think that's there anymore and to your point about purpose it's like yeah it, it's hard to find purpose in this consumeristic society and I just had a conversation with someone who was also Porcupine Fest, Etienne, who you've had on your show as well. He brought all this free market stuff to mind and really is helping me have a better grasp. Would you agree, like, for the most part, our society is not geared towards us finding our higher purpose? Oh, God, no. Not even <laughs> close. It's really just, yeah, it's like you said, consumerism all over the place, you know, and think of these old myths, you know, these people used to go out and fucking slay dragons and shit. I mean, this is no small feat we're talking about when we're doing this type of work. And and, and it is intense for the people that do decide to do it. It, it becomes, it becomes, it becomes a lifestyle if I'm being honest, because you can't really stop once you start. And, and for me, 
the results have been amazing, but also there's been more work than I expected, you know, if I was going to say, but I mean, what do you, what else are you going to do? It's like, I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier and you know, he's disenchanted. He's advanced. I almost wanted to call, I'm, I'm starting a new show too. Uh, I'm going to call it blue collar mystics. I almost wanted to call it salty shamans because <laughs> I've always wondered how shamans could be like, have a grudge or be like bitter at all. And then, Oh my God, like now after the past, you know, little bit of a while i i totally get it but you know he's in a place where he's you know kind of frustrated right like i get it like these things they happen to all of us the best of us no matter what and i guess um just trying to figure out ways to to continue to foster and deepen that growth even though it's fucking hard and you know you might go out and spend a week in the woods or you know, like dedicate yourself to meditation practice or go to uh, retreats or whatever. And, and just because you do one of those, there, that's not the end. There's going to be more, but the, but deepening that, deepening that process, it's the most, it's the most rewarding because I think that's how we build like our emotional sort of reserves and, and, and can like really start to work on our energy, you know, understanding energy is something I think we could all help We could all understand better is how, how, how energy works, especially in this community. Cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's like, uh, bad to acknowledge the elephant in the room or say, Hey, look, the house is on fire, right? <laughs> La Casa está en fuego, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. How do, how do we react to it? Uh, yeah. And, how do, and, and what do we do? You know, is it something that we get swept up in and, and, and contribute a bunch of fear and like, like frenetic, uh, toxic energy and build the thing that we're actually trying to avoid? Or is it like Terrence McKenna said, when you get the message, hang up the phone, you know, okay, cool. I know what's going on. The house is on fire. I'm, I'm going to walk over here, see if we can maybe put it out with a fire extinguisher instead of, you know, frantically running around. And maybe arguably the results wouldn't be that much better if you're in a better mood, but they would be better. And I think you have a better chance of mitigating any risk or seeing that, oh, you know what? This thing fell over right here. That's what caused the fire. I can just move that out of the way. And then, you know, stomp the rest of it out because you were calm and you saw things. It's like our perspective, our awareness, and we have so much more power, I think, than we give ourselves credit for. The power to choose, the power of free will is a lot deeper than just deciding whether you want orange juice or chocolate milk. You know, there's a lot of weight into choice and a lot of depth and nuance in the idea of choosing. And it goes even into the sort of manifestation world which sounds silly and it sounds like this magic thing where you're just gonna like i'm gonna ping this idea out there and then it's just gonna show up in reality it's really not that's not how it works people if, it, if it, i don't know i mean maybe it works for some people that way I, not, nobody i know get uh, let's get into it because i i you know i wanted to circle back to the toxic positivity point but i feel like we're getting there now and with positivity, I mean, for the longest time, I had this, I had a pretty cynical outlook and eventually I had a breaking point that led to this sort of stubborn positivity, right? That's how I call it. I, I don't want to say it was toxic because I wasn't in the position 
that I'm in now. You know, I didn't have anybody listening to me. As a matter of fact, people avoided conversations longer than five minutes with me because they would get like bombarded with details they didn't care about. But there was this sense of like, especially dating, where I think certain people I dated, you know, women that, you know, they wouldn't last more than a day or so, they would be kind of turned off by my positivity. So in that sense, it was a toxic positivity. And eventually I resorted to being more real, more honest, more transparent. But let's get into the nuances of that, because I, I think that's important to to anyone who is at least aware of manifestation, because it does it is a pitfall. I think we get into this like dream uh, vision board mentality about manifestation. And all that really does is, is, you know, dim your light, so to speak. And, and <laughs> you stick your head in the sand like an ostrich. Yeah, dude, it's so funny. Uh, I was thinking about this today. Actually, it's like everybody's like, man, vision boards don't work. Meanwhile, they everybody's got one in their closet. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there there are truths to these things. You know, it's like the idea of the vision board is like so hokey and silly, right? And if you watch a movie like The Secret, I would argue that it's very oversimplified and and it doesn't really address the other side of the law of attraction, right? Law of attraction is true. And there's some weird contradictions out there because like attracts like and opposites attract. So both of these things, how can they happen simultaneously? This is plagued my mind for like ever, right? But <clears throat> really ultimately we do draw experiences that match our emotional tone to us physically in real time. So, so my emotional broadcast basically is pinging out into the universe and the universe is a mirror and the world is a mirror. It, 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 it reflects what is projected onto it. So manifestation is nothing woo. There's nothing woo about it. It's just a long word. We do it naturally. It's when you are thinking about going to ballet school and you can't get those images out of your mind and it just, it's just there or whatever it is. That was me, right? Ballet school. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> it's when you like have this thing that you can't stop thinking about and it's a passion for you and you really want to do it and your soul is giving you images and you're like, I want to do this thing. And it's like giving you this, it's, it's basically the universe, I think, expressing its self through you in a way and you start to do this thing magically naturally on purpose and where it goes wrong is people or maybe not wrong that's maybe a bad word but where it goes weird in my opinion is where people are like i'm gonna manifest a lamborghini testarossa you know and it's like dude you have terrible taste why are you you should do something cool like a jeep but anyway you know it's a, that's again a matter of taste but it's not like this magical thing you know it's like all these, you know, you're manifesting Louis Vuitton pur purses out of the sky with your American Express black card. That's just privilege. You know, there's nothing magical or manifestation-y about that. But understanding that our emotional tone is setting a standard. It's pinging out into the world. And we can see that if, we do, if you didn't believe in manifestation, I would just say, well, look at the mainstream media. They're literally creating the world that they're pushing into people's brains. Now people through consensus believe that this reality exists. And so it thus does exist in the subjective world. Does it exist in the objective world? No, those are two separate things. But in the subjective world where, you know, this world of energy, which does influence the physical world, by the way, it's the cause, not the effect. It's at the cause. It's more important. 
the mental world first, right? Like that's the mind of the all infinity. Every possibility already exists in the mind of the all. It already exists. So the idea is to consciously choose that which you want, which already exists and to find a timeline, you know, this is another buzzword that gets thrown around or a a lifeline or a script that you can basically assimilate to and then begin to influence the sequence of events, mostly through attitude. It is mostly attitude. It is like 99% attitude and definitely action. You know, you, you, you have to take action, but, but really manifestation The idea is that we are broadcasting and bringing something to us as we go to it. And those two processes are happening simultaneously, but the like attracts like, because, you know, we feel a certain thing and whatever that is, that's what we're actually asking for. It's not the, it's not the Ferrari or the Testarossa or any of that. It's the emotion. Like I don't feel safe because I just have a house or a car. I feel safe because I feel safe. I can have a house, in a car and not feel safe. It's the emotion that we want. That's what we need to understand. That's what manifesting is about. And so that begats more of it too. It's an amplifier. Our attention, where attention goes, energy flows, and that's at, a, at an exponential rate. It's more and more and more. So if we wanted to choose, let's say we wanted to manifest something, we would choose a certain thing. I might say, okay, I'm gonna be a character in this script. I'm gonna choose stand-up comedian. Okay. So I choose stand-up comedian and there's a bunch of options, timelines. Okay. All of these exist in reality. Here's me bombing and becoming a suicidal home homeless. You know, here's me getting a Netflix special, right? Like all of these exist and you know, they're on a uh, spectrum. Exactly. There's like a whole stack in the alternative space or the dream world or the mental world. They already exist in there. So the idea is to choose. So on that script, you have two ways that you can choose. You can choose, oh man, this sucks. Oh man, this sucks. Oh man, this sucks. Oh man, this sucks. And go to homeless bum status. Or this is fucking awesome. This is fucking awesome. This is fucking awesome. Oh, this sucks. And then you go down and then you're like, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. And then you're like, this sucks. sucks." If you have contempt for the process of that script, it's going to make your uh, experience go down in quality. If you have appreciation and gratitude for the character on that script, on that timeline, I like writing jokes. I love my writing practice. I like going to open mics. I don't care that my car costs a billion dollars to maintain because I drive everywhere. I'm happy about it. It gives me time to, the more that you highlight those positive characteristics, traits, outcomes, circumstances, and glass half full it, the higher you kind of go up. Nobody ever complained their way to the top. It just never happened that way. It's just not... Uh, it's not an, it's, it's not a natural law principle. Right. So uh, the all is mind. So we have to start there. Yeah. You, and you see that with certain people who have been incredibly successful, you know, when you hear other people close to them speak about them, they're like, yeah, you know, even though he had nothing, he still was happy to do this every day. And uh, you know, that kind of mentality, obviously, you know, when it comes to celebrities, most of them are put in that place, I would sure. argue, without the hard work that we're describing. But I think that's, you know, to your point about media, the system that we're in, that we're fighting against. And, you know, 
even 200, 300, 400 years ago, this system was in place. It just manifested itself in a different way. What it is, is the, in my opinion, the hierarchy, right? Those at the top want only them to know how this works so that they're the only ones determining and, and affecting that subconscious or, or subjective reality that, like you said, is the sort of, you know, in my words, ethereal pathway through which the objective reality forms. And, and, and when they're holding the reins, you know, they're steering which direction we're going in, and, and none of us even know where the reins are to grab at them. But what blue-collar mystics like yourself and I try to do is, like, take this experience and become, you know, experts at waking people up, you know, and for the longest time, it did not manifest into anything for me, you know, like I, I was like a, a bad example of somebody who was using the law of attraction for a long time. And really, I think what was so cool about the idea that this podcast could go anywhere was that I believed in it. I had this sense of like, oh, I've been talking about this stuff for years and nobody cared. Now people are going to listen, you know, and, and, and I don't have to force them. They'll choose to listen. You know, you know what it's like. You got a podcast people all the time hit you up and probably say, Hey, I really resonate with this. Thank you for doing it. You know, and we're finding our tribe in a way that we never could because that system naturally compartmentalizes that out of us. And, you know, save for maybe a few authors like Nathaniel Hill, not a lot of people were even talking about this for a, a while. I think in the 60s and the 70s, you saw this resurgence in these ideas, very much associated with the psychedelics, though, which could be disconcerting depending on, you know, your sobriety or, or lack of it. I've done psychedelics, so I don't think that they're all bad, but I do see the danger in irresponsible use of it but i think this brings us back to our toxic positivity talking point which is you know around this time i feel like there was this sort of warping and maybe it's the new woo age movement that has a lot of inspiring stuff within it but i think it's ultimately geared to derail people mm -hmm. from that power of manifestation would you agree with that 100,000% back to G Edward Griffin, you know, and one of his most notorious interviews with Yuri Bismanov. You can watch that interview and there's a clip of Yuri saying that they love meditation because they love to just sneak in the country while all the Americans are just staring down at their own navels. He's like, well, I don't know if it works or not, but it works great for us. So like, you know, from, wow. from the, from the subverse, from the subversive, you know, power from their perspective, which is very externalized, let's be very honest about it, you know, is, is the other really kind of part of that yin yang thing, I would, in my opinion, but, um, but it's interesting to think about that way. I think a lot of the new age stuff I think meditation is great. I think I'm not saying it's, it's, it's a bad thing, but you know, that's what Yuri Bismanov said. I'm just quoting the motherfucker, you know, but I think for us to really acknowledge honesty, to be honest with ourselves, I can't change this. This is this something that I should give up, you know, trying to change about myself. Like I'm probably not getting six pack abs, bro. I mean, maybe I will, 
but I'm not doing the work to get six pack abs right now. So I'm not going to fucking go in there and manifest home oh, six pack abs. Well, I don't really want six pack abs anyway, you know, and that's not what I want. I, it's, and it's not even a, a, another person that to feel that make to validate me. Right. It's the feeling that I want of feeling whole and complete and okay, you know, and that's the real truth. But yeah, as far as the toxic positivity, new age, dude, I got such a chip on my shoulder. Like I said, the law of attraction is half of it, you know, because we also get what we don't want in spades. The more you focus on something that you don't want and radiate fear and negative energy at it, it's the same. It's just the opposite pole. You're just getting that worst thing. So let's say you like, man, I'm going to start a podcast. And here's what you did. You were like, this is going to be great. I'm excited. You enjoyed the process. You set your microphone up just ever so. And you put your headphones on. You're like, man, this is so cool. Are my books looking cool in the back? (laughs) Fuck yeah. You know, with intention, that's a beautiful thing. You could have been like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's stupid. Nobody's going to listen. And then fucking you make two podcasts and and then you never heard from it again. And that's because of that, you know, that attitude really highlighting the, the parts of the process. So we can enjoy the parts of the process, which really, you know, goals are mirages anyway. So understanding and appreciating and, and, and really getting wrapped up into that process, that's the joy of it anyway. So the more you do that, the better the results get and the more fun you continue to have. And then you just build and build and build and build and build. We call that like a wave of fortune, right? Or like just an upward spiral. But we kind of tend to go one or the other way. And I think it's a lot of times up to us to be self-determined. We don't see that. We don't see that negative stuff happening or that we're at the cause of it when we're being like that because we feel victimized. So it's because of something else. And so now I'm victimized. And so I blame something else. And I don't take responsibility for my thoughts, my actions, those types of things as a result of that. It's just a sneaky little program, you know? And so it'll sneak in there. It'll sneak in there for anybody. I mean, I fucking deal with it all the time. I have to be very conscious, you know, and everybody, we all have to be because there's so much fucking negative shit out there that's just trying to suck you in, right? It's a pendulum. It's like an energetic wave, you know? It's like, come on, come on, Mark. <laughs> you want to get high? <laughs> it's like a bit, it's like a fucking emotional, it's an emotional addiction, yeah. you know, you know, and it can be, it, dep- it just depends. It's, it's really about managing our attention and understanding that. Cause like I said, you know, the manifestation stuff is oversimplified and it's like this magic thing. It's like, no dude, it's, 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 it's an embedded process and we're doing it all the time, really choosing, highlighting positive life, life tracks or whatever, or negative ones, seeing the process as something that's beautiful and joyful and something to take pleasure in and have gratitude about, or it's a pain in the ass. I wish I didn't have to do this. You know, whatever those thoughts are, are just tainting, you know, the, the experience and make, making it less enjoyable. And we're doing it to ourselves and don't even realize it. You know, one of the big takeaways that I've had recently is that I've blamed God subconsciously for like a lot of this stuff and not to bring in, you know, the big G word bomb or whatever. I'm comfortable with any vernacular, but, but you could think of it as the world or whatever. And so I have a lot of negative beliefs about God embedded in my psyche, like a lot. And uh, I didn't realize that until I started to explore it. And the things that I'm blaming God for are actually not 
God or the world's fault. There are things that I have that are self-beliefs like, you know, you know, the world won't let me do X unless I do X. Okay. Like that's a limiting belief that I have in my mind. No one else ever said that I had to do one thing in order to attain another or deserve another. That's all this subconscious program that I've inherited from a very young age. And I think most of us have this program and it can cause, it can cause a lot of different reactions up to and including atheism, which I have, you know, no problem with, but I just, I, you know, I went from this pole to that pole and in really just examining that view and realizing, holy shit, like I'm the one who makes me suffer. I'm the one who said, no, I don't want to go roller skating, you know, like, that wasn't anybody else's fault or like that I didn't pursue this or do that or join the college radio station or whatever the thing was in the back of my mind that I wanted to do back in that time. I could have figured out a way to do it, but I didn't. And then I blamed God for it. And, uh, and I think that stuff and just acknowledging it and saying, wow, you know, like maybe that's really not, you can define God too, as what you want God to be, you know, just as a writing exercise, it's from the artist's way, Julia Cameron's book. I fucking couldn't recommend it enough. It's so good. And that's, a, that's kind of a, a way to sort of journal the other side of that. But I think it's really important to just take stock of what, what do you really think about the world is, do you believe the world is unjust? And, you know, back to the entheogen sort of argument. I've had some experiences that would lead me to believe that the world is very just and pure, unconditional, you know, love. And, and there's no escaping that. I've had that experience through that process. And I think I've experienced that without inducing it too. So I think ultimately the truth is everything is going to be okay. You know, that we are all just truly love and and we get to dip our toe in and play in this, in this contrast and the, in the, in the, with the darkness, that's the fun part, the humane part. The reason we have a taint in the butthole is we can play, you know, it's gross if there's something weird about it, but there is this darkness to the light. And it really is about mixing. If it's comedy or art or music or whatever, if you mix and juxtapose these two different elements, that's what makes great art. That's what makes beautiful expressions of humanity. You know, the list, it goes on. So I don't know. I, I, I see myself more appreciating aspects of ourselves and people instead of trying to fight the inevitable, you know, you see it in politics a lot. It's like we fight human nature, you know, and then finally people become anarchists because they're like, fuck human nature, you know, but the same is true. I think in, in self-help and stuff too, because it's like, look, man, sometimes our standards are just way off, way off base because we're probably comparing ourselves to somebody who's nothing like us. And that, there is, there's no re that doesn't help anybody. You know, that's like you, the, the, the one thing you can do that no one else can do is, is be yourself. Right. And I'm glad you said that because something that you really had me thinking about, um, was the point of addictions because, you know, obviously you see me, I'm, I'm puffing away. The listeners know I smoke blunts every day. It's part of my routine. I found it to be a healthy habit because of the in- intellectual stimulation You know, I've gone out of my way to find evidence to prove that maybe that's a bias. I don't know, but it's a huge point of contention, or at least it was until it became very normalized with me and my family, you know, and it always came down to the point of like, well, what are you doing with your life 
and you you got to stop smoking weed if you're ever going to do anything you know because for the longest time you know i was just going from job to job and much to the point that we were making earlier about interdisciplinary skills and, and everything you can do in a lifetime that then rolls into your purpose and you never realize like i didn't realize being a chinese food delivery guy would have any impact on my life but now in hindsight you know even though i'm only 27 i can see how 10 years ago doing that job had a, an impact on me and every job after that and since right and you know i bring that point about cannabis up because it is a spiritual occulted sort of thing you know it it caused a huge revelation in me when i was young and, and tried it for the first time because i've I built up this huge idea that all drugs were bad. Partying was bad. You know, it wasn't, and it wasn't cause I grew up in like a strict setting. Like my grandparents were very religious, but then my, my parents, you know, I would see like, you know, them drinking and whatnot. And just, it just something rubbed me the wrong way when I was a kid. So I had all of these big blockages around cannabis. And when I smoked it and it had such an effect on me that linked into like some of the things I was reading in those early days, I was like, wow, this is, this is a part of it all. And anybody who tells me differently is wrong, you know, but why I think that relates to the law of attraction and why I'm bringing it up is because I found that it's never been hard to get weed for me, no matter where I am, no matter what's going on, it just seems to appear. Right. It just seems to bring itself to me. And I think that's because I have such a positive association with it and what it does for me. But then again, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I spend money on this, you know, and I think that idea there of like, am I financially making a bad decision by sticking with this thing? That's been beginning to create like this back and forth because part of it is like no i'll manifest enough to afford this and everything else because this makes me happy and then that thought invades of like no 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 you need to buckle down and save money and every time that thought comes in i seem to be the brokest ever you know it's when i'm like oh yes buy this spend this that's when i have money and maybe that says a lot about my spending habits and why I have these fluctuations, but I think that's uh, part of it. You know, it really is. And with the podcast kind of taking the reins economically into my own hands rather than being at the, you know, and it's much the same with comedy. I mean, any type of freelance work, you take the reins back and you get out of someone else's hierarchy, your wages start coming from your own you know your own work rather than doing someone else's work and the the that blockage i think begins to remove itself what do you think anything to add there or did i just uh do i owe you money for a therapy session oh, absolutely <laughs> not. i'm not a therapist um, but but no i you know i have a different maybe a different take i don't know i have my own take i think on this because it's something that I personally understand and, and, str and struggle with too. You know, we all have that voice in the back of our heads. Like you need to do this. And you, that's bad. I mean, back to being indoctrinated. I mean, dare, you know, drugs are bad. I grew up with that mindset too. I thought I would never smoke pot. And then, you know, my mom was like, 
I got high with my mom the first time. How funny is that? I, I haven't even written it into a bit to embarrass her for the rest of her life yet. What is fucking wrong with me? Anyway, I'm coming to some great revelations on your show, my friend. But I think that like we have to just differentiate between that voice, that sort of like father god jehovah lightning thrower you you can't smoke weed how dare you enjoy your fucking life you know and all the things that you have to do you should have to suffer through it all you know and so to me it's about you and your process because you're gonna change you know like even if you don't try probably in a year or two or something something will happen you'll be like you know i'm just I'm not going to smoke for a while or whatever. It just, it happens that way. It's weird. Right. Sometimes when we try to induce change, it just becomes more difficult. So, you know, ultimately like there's a lot of different strategies when it comes to behavior change and patterns, because that's really all things are how much of your identity is wrapped up in it. Like how important is it to you to identify as that, right. Or this or the other thing. And these are all questions that have an impact on who we are and how we present ourselves and all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think whatever helps you is good. <laughs> so, you know, if, if that helps you and, and that helps you get through the day and, and, it, and you're not slouching on things then why, you know, why would you, if, if your day would otherwise be like, man, I really wish I could smoke and you're thinking about smoking all day, then that's not, that's not a fun day. You know, like you should have, have the tools that would make you productive. For me, that was a standing desk for somebody else. It might be an eight ball. I'm not saying that they should do that or advocating any foul play or whatever, but you know, I, I, I don't think it's the voice of God or reason or justice or the universe that tells us not to do things. You know, we have free will, we have choice. And so it's those limiting beliefs within us that make us think that we won't X because of X or unless we X, right? Those are our own beliefs and we get away with blaming the universe for them and for our lack of fulfillment of it. Instead, if we can maybe shift some of those beliefs around and project that uh, image, that emotion, to the mirror of reality, then we get that experience that matches like versus like, and sort of on that timeline scale, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah, that's, I, I, I think, Hey man, whatever helps you, you know, there, there are freaking scientists who, who smoke cannabis all day long. I've, I've, I've heard interviews with the guys, one of them, he, he had a, he was addicted to cannabis and then he smoked DMT and that was the only way that he could get unaddicted. And so I think addiction can go twofold too, where if it becomes spiritual bondage, that's another thing altogether, right? Like we see it with porn all the time with men, especially men. I mean, women get addicted to porn too, but for whatever reason, like it's just a much more of a phenomenon with men, you know, which mm. I don't know, to me, that makes sense. I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but, but that, like that can lead to like some serious dysfunction, you right. know, like, is, I, and I have mixed feelings about porn. I, I'm not saying that it's bad, all bad or something like people should be able to uh, express themselves freely and all of that kind of stuff. But at the same, you know, but, but on the other hand too, right. Like this can become something that is damaging and unhealthy as an addiction, as a pattern. But, you know, ultimately it's just a pattern and how much do we identify with it and really examining that stuff over time will ultimately lead to making a change subconsciously. The truth is, and I just had Joe Roop on the show, on my show, and your subconscious is in control. You can't fucking stop it anyway. 
You know, we can consciously be like, I'm getting six pack abs. I'm doing the 40 day challenge. And if your subconscious mind does not want to do that, you're not going to do it. And that is just the truth of the matter. So without a little bit of deeper work, it's really hard to kind of shift ourselves. I heard the, the parable of the guy on the back of the elephant, for instance, and he's got a carrot, you know, and it's like, you want the elephant to go over there, but he's not gonna turn on a dime. You know what I mean? It's like, you gotta like ease him over here and over here more and more and more with that carrot near on the back of him. Cause that subconscious mind is embedded. It's your body, your body and your subconscious mind are really one thing. And all those habits basically just develop into your body, your subconscious mind. And before you know it, you're just doing something without even thinking about it, riding a bike or driving a car you know, cooking an omelet or, you know, scrolling on doom scrolling, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, we just kind of subconsciously do that. And it's just a matter of, uh, yeah, kind of teasing that out, you know, and balance because where is the line between I'm an enthusiast and I'm in spiritual bondage. I feel like, um, on the pot thing, I, I don't feel like, I feel like it's a little bit harder to get into spiritual bondage on pot. Uh, but nobody nailed it like Dave Chappelle and half baked where he throws her off the bridge, you know? And she's like, you'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't care who you are, you know, like if you've had, uh, if you've had uh, a history with Mary Jane, then you will probably uh, meet her again. I'm just going to say that. Right on. Yeah, and I, I have a very synchronous event in my life where I didn't smoke with my mom, but uh, I stole her weed. I was a very bad boy, and the first weed I ever smoked or got caught smoking was from her own her own stash. So, And she pulled me out of martial arts class to scold me about it too, which was even, even worse. So, <laughs> so, That's funny. So there we go, but I'm... Looking over here at bootsygreenwood.com, and I definitely want anyone listening to the show to check this out. My man Bootsy Greenwood has a bunch of really awesome stuff here, but I'm checking out this part that says Transurfing Reality Tip, and we got one through five, but number one, you break down transurfing, and I'll take it away. Transurfing is a methodology that mirrors a lot of mystical works and gives a model to the video controller of reality itself. Now, this brings so much to mind, and I see exactly where you're going with it, and I love it. But I, I wonder, you know, what are your thoughts on the simulation before we get into the, the actual tips, you know, because it seems like this is a very pervasive idea. Obviously, the metaverse, you know, just was, you know, rolled out publicly, but they've been talking about this stuff for decades, you know, and the word simulation itself, you know, governments do simulations all the time. They did a simulation for COVID, you know, two months before it, it rolled out. So, you know, what are your thoughts on, on that? I think it, this experience that we're having, this reality sort of experience could very likely be a simulation. Now I say that to say all a lot of these ideas that are like true on the surface, there's nuance, you know, it's like, if they can take this idea of, Hey man, it's already a simulation. 
jump into this robot body, you know, and then just uh, subvert your sovereignty, then the KGB, you know, might do that or whomever, right? Like, like back to that Yuri Bismanov idea. It's like, oh, well, let's just convince them it's a simulation and then put these goggles on, you know what I'm saying? And now all of a sudden you don't have any genitals anymore and everybody has to rub their buttholes together on the internet. And that's really all the entertainment anybody has. And you have to do that in the metaverse. You can't actually do that in the comfort of your own home. But anyways, uh, I say all that to say, it could be very well a simulation. I would just be very conscious of anything that would subvert your sovereignty. And I personally have a weird vibe about this whole metaverse thing. I, I'm a natural person. I love being outside. I actually hate that I'm on the computer as I don't hate it, but if I could change the fact that I'm on the computer as much as I am, I would change that. Uh, I would like to see that change. Um, myself. See, I love being outside. I love being out in nature, you know, but yeah, th- I think this could vary. Like, I don't know that anybody knows what the fuck is going on here. I have been trying to figure it out for eight years, 10, nine years or so, whatever it's been. And I still, I still don't know. I mean, this book gives glimpses into it and that's that reality transserving book. Basically it says as much as, you know, the, I think he says like the, the most pervasive quality of reality is variability meaning that there are infinite points of consciousness. And if we were to chart it out on a graph, they all connect to each other. It's all cause causal and cause and effect back and forth. You could trace it however you wanted to Jim over in India, who's on vacation. Every time he farts, you know, Louis sneezes in San Francisco. And this is weird thing where, you know, like these things we don't know how this organism is, 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 happening and and acting and what the causes and effects are but whether it's idealist philosophy or materialist philosophy there's evidence to to prove it right and so getting into that quantum stuff this is really where reality i think becomes malleable and this is even more like direct evidence for manifestation because we influence reality and like is it gordon is it gordon white he's like yeah man awesome stuff. Like he talks about this reality is living. It is alive. Like we want to think of reality as this fucking static Lego land thing. It's not, not at all. It is moving. It is experiencing itself. And there's this constant, you know, dance and movement that's going on. So I love that, that Lego land. I never heard that before, but as you're saying it, it's kind of dawning on me, like the, the one dimensionality of things, this illusion that they give us, like that is that, and that's all it is like that, you know, a rock is a rock and a tree is a tree and water is water. But when you have a scientific understanding of things, it seems like, you know, all these little ingredients make up these bigger you know, things. And then you add that spiritual lens to it and you see that all is connected and so many other revelations come through there. But what brings so much apprehension to me with the metaphor analogy of the simulation is this idea, you know, kind of like what you touched on in the beginning that it seems so computer-like. Whereas what we're talking about is something that's existed way before, you know, we created the computer chip. Not that, you know, we invented it. I kind of believe that this kind of thing probably existed somewhere in history way before we were writing about history and it got lost and then reinvented. But that point aside, I'm afraid that, you know, when people get into this simulation, simulation, this simulation, that, that 
like you said, it's a very convenient door into this programmed world that they have set up for us. I think what we're facing right now, humanity's biggest problem is demoralization. Mm. You know, if you can demoralize people and deface them and say, you're not worth a shit, you're just a fucking disease factory, you're gross, you're stinky, there's nothing redeemable about you, you're a fucking virus on the planet. You know, every time you turn your lights on, you're ruining the earth and you just demoralize and further demoralize people to the point where they just don't fucking care anymore. That's how you get them into like the metaverse or whatever. So to me, you know, like being very conscious of where we're putting our attention and, and inspiring ourselves and each other and building and creating our own networks, ideas, ecosystems, whatever. Those are all really, really positive things uh, to do. And I think we have more power than we realize. And, and I mean, it's case in point too, like I said, you know, like it's amazing what the media can do. You know, they have demoralized so many people to where they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a jab, fucking put an iPad mini in my stomach. I don't care or whatever. And that was, shit was funny. I mean, I laughed, but like, yeah, you just wanted a margarita at Chili's or something, you know, I, I get it. But like, <clears throat> you know, if, if you can, if you can toxify the public mind like that and make them feel that everything is bleak and there's no God and there's no reason to be alive and you don't have a purpose and we're just an accident and all of that kind of stuff, you know, then I think that the Yuri Bismanov, that, that sort of strategy, that's exactly what it aims to do is just undermine the, the spirit, spiritual nature of humanity. Mm. And so I think we just need to in mind and keep, keep an eye on the flame and, and continue to, to, to guard it, you know, with everything that we have and, and put everything that we have out that we can, that's positive and encouraging and, and pushing in that direction, you know, creative, I guess. And that's, I, like I said, man, I, that, that is the thing individual or collectively, you know, when we give into that, it's, that's so sad to see. That's really like the kind of cutoff. It's like the cutoff from source, right. like, you know what? It's not worth it. I give up. Like that's apathy. It's the lowest vibration on the scale of, of consciousness. And that's what they're trying to induce with the media is, is this state of consciousness that is very apathetic and just doesn't care. So the more that we can spruce up the place, and I'll say this too, you know, our energy, people are picking up on it all the time. They're, we're pinging and, and, and picking up on this kind of stuff. So, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who are probably vigilant and trying to wake people up. I think the best thing that you can do is be unshakable and to feel good in your body as far as that goes. Because if someone tries to knock you off your game and you're like, I ain't shook, you know, like I'm grounded, then they're going to, even if they don't consciously anything, they're going to note something. And that is, I could not shake this person. That means they're more secure about their reality than I am. Right. And, and that is an unconscious belief. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we mentioned them uh, multiple times. So I figure it's worthwhile to let people know if they're not aware, Yuri Bezmanov, Soviet journalist and uh, former KGB informant, who, when he defected to Canada, got on that interview with G. Edward Griffin, very inspiring guy, wrote the book, uh, Creature from Jekyll Island. But you know, it's important to remember again, you know, there's no, 
the, these people, a KGB, CIA, whoever it is, you know, we fall into this trap, I think, that only benefits them when we're doom scrolling. And, you know, back to the trans surfing reality of this point of Apple's fall to the sky, you know, to me, you know, and you can ex- expand on this, please, but it, it kind of makes sense in the sense like, all right, I don't need to know all the details of who Yuri was and, and all the little ins and outs of what the KGB was doing. His message is telling me this and it's resonating these parts and I'm going to take action now and not dwell on that and not feel like I'm a victim of these circumstances that I just learned about. Yeah, I think that it's, <laughs> it's all there, you know, and that's really where all that, all that power is as we shift our awareness and attention the world, it, it, it does react. I mean, to, to take it just a simple example, just really, really basic. I go out, my head is down. I don't look up, but you know, I'm sad. And I just walk down the street. No one approaches me. Of course, I, I'm withdrawn. I'm feeling, you know, I, I don't want to be, I'm putting that vibe out there versus I walk outside. I have a smile on my face. Someone's walking their dog and I say, hello. Maybe I even stop and have a little bit more of a conversation that could lead to an opportunity because I'm actively looking for it. You know, I'm pinging. We have this thing called a reticular activation system. RAS, you can look it up. That's what they call it in the brain. That's the part of the brain that tells you what to pay attention to. It's, it's, it's like that phenomenon where you, you see a yellow car, you want a yellow car, and then you just start seeing them all over the place. It's a confirmation bias. And so I think a lot of what real, really manifestation is, is using that RAS or confirmation bias to your own advantage. You know, how can you leverage this tool of how your mind focuses to help yourself? What are the things that you need to notice that you need to be looking out for? And how can you, you know, influence that to look out for the best things for you and for other people too, right? Like for, you know, maybe it's for a group or, or whatever, but how, you know, how to focus and use attention really as a tool. I mean, it sounds woo woo and, 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 and out there, but it makes even in just in that practical example, if there's no magic at all to it, fine. It, there doesn't have to be magic or if apples fall into the sky. These are all metaphors, of course. But I think the phenomenon speaks for itself. You know, when when you start to get opportunities for yourself that are larger than than you and larger than you could have asked for, then it gets real. When you start like when when you start bringing things into your life that are things that are basically tailor-made for you that you didn't know existed, it starts getting pretty real with the whole <laughs> manifestation sort of sort of thing, you know, and, and, and we're always going to have ups and downs. Things are going to happen. You know, life's not perfect, but in having that attitude and just being on the lookout, that glass half full, looking for the shimmer, looking for the shine in this situation, you will find it. It's, it's amazing how just that subtle shift in attention and awareness can make literally a huge difference. It's the same as the butterfly effect, you know, the butterfly effect and like a butterfly flies this way. And then all of a sudden everything's gone out of control. Cause some dude tried to swerve the butterfly and that affected all of these other chains of events. I mean, 
we don't know, obviously, our mind wants to understand how all these events and causes link together, but, but it doesn't know, you know, it thinks and, and it speaks a lot and it wants to, it can create things. It's very smart, but the heart is really, I think the center of where we need to be focused on that emotion and what we're trying to, to get out of life again, is an emotional thing. It's not a physical thing. The money, the rent comes and you still got to pay rent next month. You still, you know, like that's not the thing that you're seeking. So, you know, I think it's really important to understand that and then use in, intention to, to navigate your way toward more of the feelings that you want to have. Right. Right. And, you know, given I just had this conversation with Etienne, I wonder if like, you know, that, and I'm sure you're aware, voluntarism, you know, this movement, I think a lot of people, once they learn about it, would say, hey, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds like it would work a lot better than what we have right now. And what was interesting about what Etienne mentioned is how karma plays into that. And knowing your resume, I'm sure you might have some things to elaborate on that and how karma and the karma of the, the system itself by opting in kind of has a, a negative effect on you. I mean... You're a self-made guy. Look at your resume. You're doing all these things. You don't have a boss, I would assume, right? That's something that a lot of people who, you know, listen to the show for sure. And I myself, when I was just a, a podcast listener, I was very envious of that. I, I was like, wow, that's it. That's how I get out of this kind of other people's will, right? What are your thoughts? Yeah, dude, I've, I can so relate because a few years ago, I'm in the same exact position. You know, I wanted to get here. And what I'll say is kind of twofold again, shocking that there's duality in the world, but it's like, you know, you get to a certain place and you can either again, highlight those things or see them as, you know, downfalls. It's like, I choose on this character. I choose this character and I'm like, I'm going to be self-made. I'm going to do the thing. I don't want to continue in the film industry because of their mandates. And I don't think that's right. And so I'm going to go down this path and this is what I choose. So I can, and I have viewed that in a very positive way and in a negative way. And I've also seen how that has affected my trajectory up and down throughout the entire process. But for anybody who wants to do it, understand it just creates a new set of problems. If you can be positive about the problems you have now, then when you get to a higher timeline or you choose this character in the video game or whatever, however you want to, whatever metaphor, then you will be able to have those positive emotions going through those difficult challenges too, because there's going to be challenges on each one of these trajectories. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't disqualify us from living life and, you know, death and these types of things, they're always going to happen. So it's really a quality sort of problem, but as you, as if you can start now, because no one ever complained their way to the top, if you can start now appreciating just more and feeling more gratitude and having a higher, you know, emotional frequency. Cause like, I think that's the thing. It's like, it is your fucking birthright to feel good in your body. And maybe it's not going to happen every day, but through conscious effort, we can feel pretty good. Most of the time, you know, it, it takes, it takes some effort but we can feel good most of the time. And so the more that you can get that practice down, it, it doesn't really matter what you want to do. If you want to work for yourself or if you want to start a band, what doesn't matter. It does. It, it really doesn't. If, but if you can come at it with that attitude and that perspective and that sunny 
disposition for the thing and all the parts that are part of the process, the plugging the thing in, the wrapping the cable, the, all of it, you know, because there's going to be things that aren't as pleasing to you. But if you can still say, hey, you know what? I hate wrapping cable, but I love podcasting. Then you see that highlight, right? You've added that. There's something positive you can add to that. And the more that you do that, the, the, the more that the, the reality will reflect that projection that you're putting out there into the world. That, I mean, it's really, it's kind of simple. I mean, like, I feel like we've come up with all these crazy models and a new age and self-help and all this stuff. It's like, blah, 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 blah. And all this fancy words and the $3 explanation and all this kind of stuff. And all the tools are helpful. I don't want to disqualify them, but ultimately it's pretty simple. It's feel good and choose. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, I'm sure much of what we talked about and a lot more is included in what I'm looking at here, Your True You, which is an ebook and an audio book. And then you have a bunch of other really awesome audio books here that are, I imagine, public domain really quick. You can find a couple different books that ring really close home to me, the Kybalion in particular. I think we've talked about this maybe the first time when uh, I was a guest on your show, the Bootsy Greenwood podcast or the Bootsy Greencast, right? Yeah, that's right. So the Kybalion, you know, I think there's something so powerful in that. Whether the origins of it are what they are or not, there is something indisputable about those seven hermetic laws. And the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, Another audiobook here reflects that too in a very, you know, parallel. But I guess my point is, you know, brings the subconscious back up. I just read something recently referring to Jung and the Jungian dream work and how he thought, you know, all these archetypes are in the subconscious world. They exist there. And through this subconscious interaction, they permeate into our existence, the objective reality, as we put it. And I think a book like the Kabbalion and the Tao Te Ching, they're almost like keys that when you read them, they come in, they unlock something in your brain. And then now you're, you're having an altered experience. Man. Yeah. Those are two really powerful books. The Kabbalion was hugely uh, influential to me. Like I, I don't even know how many times I read it. Those, the books that I created are the books that I read the most. And, uh, and that's why I made them because I thought they, they were the most important to me. So, well, with exception, I didn't, I never made Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson. Perhaps one day I will, but you know, that one's not in the public domain, but self-reliance as a man thinketh, as well, I think are great books, but the Tao Te Ching too is like, it's such a powerful book because it really defines duality. It almost like seems to just walk around itself. It's, <laughs> it's very, it's pervasive and seductive and, and poetic and beautiful, but there's so much truth in it. And really both of those books, those are two classics. And I, I just wanted to, you know, at first I was, I felt weird about sharing stuff as a person, as myself on YouTube or on a podcast or telling people how to live their life as a coach. Right. And so I just started out making audiobooks because I knew that the truth was in there. You know, I knew that James Allen was right. I knew that Ralph Waldo Emerson was right, you know? And so that's how I kind of started. And then 
I made the reality transurfing audio book that didn't get published. And I made a version, just, I started making it a few years ago. And then more and more people started asking me about that. They basically were like, Hey, um, will you keep making this? And so to your point about this invisible hand, I think there's kind of an, a, a spiritual invisible hand at work to be honest, but yeah. And so I made the book and kept doing each chapter. And then I clarified some of the concepts on YouTube. And, and that's kind of how I started to get a little bit of a following. And so I finally did hesitantly put my face on camera. And then that's when I got opportunities and started coaching and, and, and on and on. So, well, let's yeah. get into that spiritual hidden hand. Cause I, I really think that's, that's a, a great way to put it, you know, like, a key unlocking these doors, you know, there is a force at play that inspires us in subtle ways to turn, be turned on to this type of information, right? I'm sure it was a synchronous, you know, sequence of events for you, right? It really was. And it was pretty easy to read the signs. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like I, there's so many spiritual people who are maybe socialistic in nature. And I'm like, don't you see like, how nature works. Like the, one of the most freeing places I've ever been was at Bonnaroo the first year where there was shakedown street and people were just openly selling and buying whatever. I mean, literally anything you want. It was like the dark net in real life. I mean, it was amazing, but no, it was powerful for me. And that impacted me as well as many synchronistic experiences that I've had, because it's not like, like just one person benefited, like in these situations, they're win, 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 they're win, win. And it seems like a greater positive overall effect comes from those types of situations. So I, I, I believe there's a, a, yeah, an invisible hand spiritually, like, and that's what we resonate with in star Wars or many other ideas like synchronicity uh, in James Redfield's book, the Celestine prophecy, or even young, like young is the one who pointed out the, the, the phenomenon of synchronicity. So, yeah, I think there is a very distinct pull. The author in the Reality Transurfing book calls your inner voice the rustle of the morning stars, which I think is a very beautiful way to put it because it's like, you know, it's a rustle, so it's quiet, but it's a morning star is very bright, you know. So, like, there's this little juxtaposition conflict in there. It's a, it's a well-written book, but he also talks about something called outer intention, and so inner intention is what I feel, what I want, my desire, you know, outer intention is what does the world need? What does the world want? How can I serve the world? If I can match my outer in, or my inner intention to outer intention, it's like putting up a sail on a boat and using powerful wind forces to take me from point A to point B. And that may look something different than like what my goal is in mind, because one big stumbling block on manifestation is people have their outcomes set so specific in their mind that they can't allow other things into their reality that don't exactly match the concept that they are trying to, you know, create. And they think they're like this God that can just put every detail into this frame, but experiencing it is one thing, but again, it's the emotion that's going to be matched, not the actual vision that's going to be matched. So again, as far as like a little stumbling block trick there, but helping the world can always propel us in our own journey. It's like when I do that thing, because all those people needed, they needed me to clarify. They wanted me to do the book. So I kept doing the book, right? And then they, they needed help. Nobody was really at that time teaching these principles very well. So they needed some clarification. And so because I did that, 
you know, I was rewarded or outer intention, you know, happened. And it was a fuse of win, win, win. People got information that they needed. I got exposure. So I don't know. I didn't really care about exposure at the time. I didn't know what to do with any traffic that I had. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just giving away, you know, as much knowledge as possible. And that's still, I'm still doing that, but, but I, you know, just learned now that you, you know, you can actually take clients, you know, <laughs> and do things like that and, and do podcasts and, and that, that kind of stuff. And, but, but I've, I've, I've seen it because I've gotten opportunities. Like I was on, I was on a Netflix set working and my friend, I, for whatever reason, I just felt prompted to send him a Marco Polo. He's a comedian friend of mine. And I was like, send him something stupid from this creeping hospital that we were shooting in that day. And, and he sent me a Marco Polo right back. And he was like, dude, do you want to go and hang out on, in the Caribbean this year? This was in 20, must've been 19, something like that, maybe 2018 and, and, and work all winter on cruise ships with me. And I was like, fuck yeah. So I'm going on the impractical jokers cruise as an open micer, you know what I mean? To go and tell jokes to people and MC. And I got to work with kiss and, you know, Peter Frampton and all, I mean, all kinds of different people were on those ships, Bell and Sebastian. I wound up going to Spain with them and doing a bunch of cruises in Europe and had a whole week off in Barcelona. I mean, just the kind of crazy shit that I could not have asked for. I didn't know to ask for it. I didn't know that I could say, Hey, cause okay. So let's take this situation in timelines, open micer. Okay. Open micer believes you got to do Five years of open mics, you know, sitting at this shitty bar every single night, driving a hundred miles in, in, in a night and trying to do three and it's going to suck and blah, blah, blah. And so da, 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 da. versus open micer has no idea, completely oblivious, right? Doesn't know how hard comedy is. Tries comedy. It's hard. <laughs> he learns it's hard, but stays positive and ultimately gets an opportunity to go and work and be around people that are very good at their craft and learn more and get opportunities and, you know, and, and, and continue to do open mics, of course. Right. Like that's, that's the work, but like to get those opportunities already getting MC gigs, you know, I'm working at Dave and Buster's hosting football parties and stuff like that. Now it's all a result of that. It's all led up to, you know, this, and, and I can get paid. Like I'm going to pay like, pretty decent to host something and I don't even have to tell jokes. So that's my time. So that's a win for me. You know, they're happy because they have someone who knows how to facilitate, you know, some entertainment for them. And then, you know, the people are happy because they're getting entertained. So that's again, like an example of that outer hand. It's, I think it's in, I think it's intuitive. I think it's very intuitive in us. And it's something that we're keenly aware of, you know, this, 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 this movement of energy and, I guess to go back to understanding energy, I really do think that that's something that we can continue to, to understand and learn. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, it brings me back to something that I've experienced so many times. It's like when the pendulum swings one way towards the bad, it's got all the more momentum to bring you further than you've ever been on that other side, which is a positive upswing. And, and that's the, the key to what we really started talking about awareness, right? And being aware and having the, the RAS, as you put it, geared towards the positive. So you're open for those opportunities when you, when they come, you probably saw the impractical jokers on true TV and thought like, Oh, that's funny. I, you know, never thought you would ever be like doing something associated with those guys. And then, you know, however many months later, 
you're on the cruise ship with them. I mean, that's that's awesome, man. And congrats to you for for getting in that uh, position. And and I hope the comedy career keeps moving forward because it's definitely a time. You know, I'm a I'm a big comedy fan. Obviously, working for Sam, you know, there there's a lot uh, of comedians that I've interacted with. You're one of them, I would say, not through Sam, but there tends to be this positive attitude when the situation's right but that's that's now i'm losing my point my point is so much ah so much different comedy right now i think is such a release for people because it's authentic you know and people are faced with this nonsense narrative medical malpractice bullshit going on every day in your face on your face literally and it's so rare to find a comic unfortunately that even acknowledges the truth about that and i don't know what it is about comedy where there's like 80 percent that are kind of not really tapping into this but the 20 percent that are being authentic right now during this time of like complete mayhem are thriving like Sam Tripoli. I mean, look how huge his show is. And it was big before COVID, but it's only gotten all that much bigger. Owen Benjamin is another example of someone who's doing very well yourself. Obviously you're doing well. And I think this, this is the key to being authentic. You know, like it, it doesn't matter if you're telling dick jokes or if you're, you're telling fart jokes or whatever, if you're authentic and those jokes are like a part of who you are, people are going to laugh, you know, even if they find that type of thing, you know, offensive, you know, and I, I deal with that all the time. I got a lot of sensitive ears around me, so I got to be careful with what I say and especially jokes, but, but yeah, man, I, I think that's, you know, a big thing for, for people right now. And I encourage folks, if you don't, you know, go out and look for, for, comedians different comedians like don't go to netflix and comedy central and all these like old hack places like comedians are going to this podcasting and and i think on that note podcasting is the most authentic audio experience next to maybe like an audio book but i mean just because they're older uh but i mean podcasts i mean it's it's so authentic people are are looking for something like this more and more Man, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Comedy, too, from an energetic perspective is very powerful and important because there's a resolve. So we all see this level of bullshit differentiation between what is going on and what everyone is acknowledging. And the differential just gets wider and wider and wider and wider. And the people who are calling it out, I mean, it's almost like it's never been easier. But I see a lot of uh, comedians, too, who are just, you know, you know, disengaging or whatever. One person I want to say if people should uh, check out is my friend, Karen Rontowski. She's a very much a uh, speaking up for the truth and super powerful and, and just an open-minded, beautiful, loving human being. And she's also into some like cool magic stuff. She does a podcast called uh, paranormal Karen and she talks about all kinds of stuff. Ghosts, you name it. I love her to pieces. She's great. Y'all should check her out for sure. She's definitely someone who is uh, not scared to acknowledge the absurdity that uh, is happening, you know, and, and my act doesn't center around that, you know, it's just, it's just, different you know when you're doing comedy in front of a normie crowd and i i wish i could talk to 
people who got it every night, you know, you have to be very clever about it. It's like you're saying, you know, you say a bad joke and, you know, people have sensitive ears. I'm not particularly offensive, but what is offensive? You know what I'm saying? If something, something someone doesn't agree with, it, that's what's offensive. You know what I'm saying? It's not that it's a grotesque. They're not, Oh, that's gross. He talked about his butthole. It's like, no, that's offensive because I don't agree with you. You know what I'm saying? That's really what the, but, but you know, like you have to be clever as a comedian too, to, to be able to present things in a way where you're not really taking a side. You're just pointing out the absurdity. Mm. So I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a whole art to it. And I'm finding the balance. There's definitely a balance. I'm not George Carlin. I love George Carlin. I, part of me wishes I was George Carlin. I, I would love to hear what he would have to say. I would love to hear what Bill Hicks would have to say. I would wish that Dave Chappelle or, you know, Tom Segura or whomever they, you know, I'm glad that Rogan's at least questioning the official narrative, you know, right. Finally. I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish there were more. Yes. I wish there were more role models, but at least we have the ones that we do. And there are certain people who are out there really clowning on this stuff. Ryan long stuff is insanely good. Like, Oh my God, man. Some of his stuff has just put me in stitches. I'll have to uh, check them out. Yeah, definitely check out Ryan long. He's funny. He's right. really good. He's a really good stand up too, but yeah. Oh, but from an energetic perspective, I, that's, that was my whole fucking point. And, and, and <laughs> we're with I've you. Drinking, I've been drinking coffee all day. You got <laughs> weed. I got coffee, but uh, from, from that perspective, when we're provoked and we react negatively or positively as the script would sort of uh, expect in this sort of deterministic reaction, push comes to shove. You know what I'm saying? Like this warrants that eye for an eye, tooth, tooth, right? These types of interactions, whether it's positive or negative, it's mostly through negativity. Let's just focus on that through negativity. If we're being provoked and to react to something, whatever that is, if that's my sister smacking her cereal, which I hate, uh, or if it's, you know, uh, somebody pulling in front of us on the highway, right? Like this is provoking a response from us. Now we can either be, be asleep and just react to it, or we can take that space between stimulus and response and like be present for a second, relax and, and, and try to be a little bit more conscious. One thing you can always do, um, is make a joke, make a joke about it. Use humor to diffuse tension, no matter what. If it's an ad hominem or just some red herring in an argument, you could, could totally could change the subject on somebody to just bring humor. Just say something that completely unexpected that no one had ever thought that you would say or do or or just making a joke or, or, or something like that in those moments to break tension. And then you don't get sucked into this like role play where it's like, well, this, and then like, I, you know, I could use my sister's example. Like if we talked politics, it would get funky because she used to work for Andrew Yang and I went to pork fest. So, so it could get really, you know, so if, if I can come at that and I'm not saying I always can, but if I can come at that with some humor, then usually it, we're not going to see that conflict. Like the conflict seeks to escalate itself as if there's, you know, some energy that, and maybe there is, that's, you know, getting, you know, high off of that interaction out of that conflict that like wants to escalate it. You know, that is the sort of will of, of any of those to kind of go in that direction. But if you can make a joke about it, then it stifles the tension and it stops that conflict from going uh, higher and higher. So whenever we're 
like locked into something and we feel, you know, like pulled to react. It's in, it's in that moment where we really have a choice. Like that's the moment where you're like, I'm triggered about wrapping up this cable. I can give into that and complain about it. And that brings my podcaster character down the script quality down in his video game. Or I can be like, Oh yeah, I don't love wrapping cable, but I sure do love being on a podcast. Boom. Reality character in the video game goes up a little bit or make a joke about it. Like I, I don't, I don't really have one off the top of my head and I should, you know, like very often they can get wrapped up in tangles. So I'm good. Yeah. But yeah, no, but just anything to, to, to quell the tension, you know, like that is just one way to think about conflict resolution and, and how to stay present in those moments when it's really easy to get triggered or react because that emotional energy that's being pulled from you, that's, that is sacred. That's, that's your energy, you know, that's, that's yours. And so the big lesson that I've been learning for a long time is boundaries, you know, and, and learning to control that and hold on to our energy as opposed to just letting it leak out through, you know, this provocation or that thing there. And usually those ties, those triggers are usually tied to guilt, duty, or obligation. So coming from this like anarchist or voluntarist or libertarian type of mentality, uh, I think it's easy to, to see that, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm sovereign. I'm here. I own myself. And if you're going to try to coerce me, you would use guilt, duty, or obligation. You would say, you're not a, you're not a good citizen unless, or you're not a good team player unless, and that guilt, and that's that whole, this whole uh, virtue signaling, all that shit. It all stems from this toxic guilt, trying to bring that out and have people react to that initial, you know, thing. And when they react, they succumb to it and they start to build that energy so that those energies in that consensus way now they start to form our collective reality and then you know here we you know we've got to figure out how to start unraveling <laughs> that, you know? uh, but positivity laughing humor these are they're important we need to I'm, I'm here to try to help people remember to be to have a good time life's supposed to be fun you know it's not supposed to suck it doesn't have to suck we can feel good even if it does suck it's like if they come and grab me and throw me in a truck i mean i can still i can still care bear stare you know as i'm gagged and bound in the back of a <laughs> buick Le- lebron's you know or right. Le saber Le saber damn right. it uh, but you know it's been a long time since I've seen any Buick, to be honest. Maybe I need to check my reticular activation system and start looking for Buicks. Right, right. And watch out for Stockholm Syndrome. You, want, you don't want to get too close to that Buick or Laredo or whatever comes and gets you. <laughs> but on the point of your sister, I know you mentioned the political disagreements, but you know, for the most part, doing what you do and living life the way you do, does your family think you're crazy? My family knows I'm crazy (laughs) for a long time. I mean, I barely did finish school. I dropped out to try to be a musician and I'm fortunate that didn't work out for me because I probably would have been very self-destructive in that time in my life. But, but yeah, they, they've known that I've been kind of the, I've always been the black sheep of the family. So there's a, there's no doubt that they think I'm crazy. Right on. Well, you're right at home here, brother. 
I, I'm looking at your hashtag get coached section on the site. And I definitely think if this resonated with you today, our conversation and everything, my friend Owen here has said, go over to his website, bootsygreenwood.com. Check out his hashtag get coached. But we have a really cool, I would call it like a double Venn diagram. Uh, and, and it sort of juxtaposes these really cool, I would say, what maybe like a, a redefined hierarchy of needs, you know, like people have seen Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is like a more, this one resonates with me much better. You have what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for and what the world needs around like four directions. And then in between the four, you have passion, mission, profession, and vocation pretty pretty cool sigil i would call it you know or at least something like a something to anchor you know this message what what inspired this i really like it so that emblem is known as the ikigai symbol it is an ancient japanese symbol which means reason for being and so through just journaling through some of those things people can potentially just start to get an idea of how they could all resolve, right? Like each one of those uh, you could list out and then start to see the, fam- the, the, the similar patterns between the four. What can I be paid? You know, and another thing I would add to that too, is what have you been through? What pain have you overcome or addiction or whatever? How can you go back? If you could go back to yourself in that time, how would you, you know, relate? Because in a lot of the work that people do to help other folks, it's about, being a shortcut, you know, how can we shorten the time? You know, if I could get from where I was in 2012 to where I am today in four years instead of eight, then man, I mean, <laughs> I would be so stoked. But anyway, <laughs> the Japanese Ikigai model of really determining your your purpose, you know, and I'll give another little exercise is just sit down and write down what you think your purpose might be for 20 or 30 minutes. And if you write something down that makes you stop in your tracks and it makes you cry or like you get queasy, then that's it. It's not going to be bartender or server or groundskeeper. It's going to be like to beautify the world or to bring people joy or whatever. I mean, I don't want to figure out if the moon landing was real or fake. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, what do you want to build your identity around? I guess that's the the idea, you know, and, and, and and I, I think though that that's a pretty consistent thing and it is a great way to kind of understand our intention to give us a bit of a purpose or mission statement as a person. For me, you know, that helps me. I keep that in, in the back of my mind as well as some other things, kind of a mantra, you know, and it's like, if I'm going out and this is my intention, then I'm in the right place emotionally. So I don't have to worry too much about this or that, or the details of it. As long as I can stay in that place, that grounded emotional place, then everything should follow pretty, pretty well from there. Right. Like I'm, I'm maybe not going to bat a thousand, but you know, that's the idea. So yeah, if people want to holler at me, I'll send you to my, my current offer is to do the reality transurfing book club. I'm just doing a book club and going through it. We're going to discuss kind of each of the concepts every week for 10 weeks. And if people want to work with me one-on-one, then that is the best way to kind of start that journey. I love that model. It's a book that I'm really passionate about and it brought so many different other models and interpretations of reality together under one roof. I would call it spiritual individualism. 
And I think it holds a key big time to how we face reality in this group, like whatever we consider ourselves to be conspiracy theorists or whatever. I mean, I got plenty of tinfoil hats. I'm fine with whatever label, but, but from an energetic perspective, I think it really shines a light on us and how we can be more effective in whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish and, and also improve the quality of our own lives. So, so that's my current offer and I'll send you uh, a link to that as well, but yeah, or, or yeah. maybe I'll just throw it up on, on my, I should throw that up on my page too, but I just built uh, I just built this sort of landing page for it. So right on. Um, so. Yeah. I'm checking it out here. Definitely uh, send me any links so we could put them in the description, but you know, folks can find your podcast on the same app they're listening to this show on, and you're on Patreon as well. You're on YouTube. What else can people expect from you, and where should they follow up? Yeah, my newest podcast is going to launch in January. It's called Blue Collar Mystics. They can go ahead and subscribe to Bootsy Greencast. I'm just going to change that over. It's going to be the same RSS feed. I'm just going to rebrand it. And I also am asking for people, I want you to contribute. Send me your wake-up story. I want to hear what happened when you started asking these questions. Try to keep it about 10 minutes-ish, you know, but send it to me. And if you record it, I'll post it on the RSS feed. Or if you want to type it up, I'll read it for you. Uh, and I'll put that on the RSS feed. I want this to become a little bit more collaborative than the last podcast that I did. I'm still going to interview people one-on-one. I'm going to also do some panel stuff. And I really want to deep dive down into a lot of these ideas, manifestation, what is reality, breathing, you know, these types of spiritual things with people who are really good and skilled and give really like really good interpretations and maybe even visual models of some of the ideas that they share. So I'm really, as the blue collar mystic mission is like a, an under the hood look at a, at a, at a, at, at a deep human consciousness, right? Like we're just going to try to make everything that's so mystical and woo practical in real time so that we can just use it. Right on. Well, Owen, this has been a true pleasure again. Joining me for the second time, the first time on Bootsy Greencast, which, like he said, is is going to be transformed real soon. Excited to see where that goes, and I will definitely send a voice clip of my own into that to participate in the collaboration. And speaking of collaboration, Alt Media United, you can find Owen there, his podcast, and all the other links. And like I said, BootsyGreenwood.com to follow up with most of the stuff that he mentioned, minus that one thing he's got to update on the page there. But this should be, be the, the kick in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be out Thank by the you. time this is out. And, and brother, this has been so much fun, man. I, uh, you know, I consider you one of uh, the few podcast friends that I've made, not only because we met in person, but because you're just such an awesome guy and you never fail to brighten my day. So thank you for joining me here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody in the Telegram live stream. If that, no, I closed that out. They're not listening anymore. Uh, but they were for a while. And Rockfin, we had some people listening live there as well. So the shout out to everybody on Rockfin, and uh, and thank you to you wherever you are listening in the now. All right, and thank you for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. We got a couple of things to close out before we wrap up today's show, and what an episode it was with Owen Hunt. Be sure to check him out at bootsygreenwood.com. 
And while you're at it, over to MyFamilyThinksI'mCrazy.com. We got a lot of stuff going on. Not only do I put out this show, but we also have your handbook for the apocalypse, which comes out on Michael Wan's Susquehanna Alchemy feed. There's the Elemental Philosophorum, which comes out every month, twice a month, between Generation Z and I. That's Dave. And we got the scene, the synchromystic exploration of the ever-expanding now, which is still going strong. We will have new episodes coming out this month real soon. And we have a Patreon, folks. That's the place to get it all. And we have some new patrons. Three new patrons who are all about to get new names. First up on the list is Jordan. Jordan, you are the self-reliant wolf welcome to the patreon my friend next up mr troy you are the thunderbat look at that and last but not least jim jam you are the victorious whale right on and if you sign up for the patreon folks not only will you get a spirit animal name, but you'll get access to a ultra secret, super secret telegram for patrons only. While you're at it, you can also access the free Patreon. Uh, sorry, excuse me. The free telegram. It's getting late over here. We got a lot going on there. I live stream the interviews there. If you like live streams, we're on Rockfin, rockfin.com search for the my family think some crazy podcast there and you can catch the show there live i've been having some audio issues lately not really sure what's going on between my mixer and obs but i'll be sure to figure that out soon so the audio quality on rockfin is perfect uh, just as good as it is in the episode here and i can't do the show without your support We've already gotten a bunch of really cool people on the Patreon, as you've heard. So what are you waiting for? Join the party. There's only going to get, there's only going to be more content there as time goes on. And especially as people join. And if I get 50 people <clears throat> to join the Patreon, we're going to do a monthly hangout session where everybody is welcome to come hang out speak their piece everybody will get a turn to share and uh and i will uh hear you out and maybe give you some advice if uh your family is thinking you're crazy i don't know i've been dealing with it for a while so maybe i'll have some advice no promises but we're gonna do some fun stuff we want the patron to grow we also have a gum road check out the my family thinks i'm crazy Dot com for the links to that and you can buy not only my art but my lovely girlfriend Tara is a painter and an artist and we have a bunch of her work there as well as my work in crystal wrapping so if you want to decorate your place or decorate your face well not really your face but your neck check out our gum road buy some art we got some crystals we got some paintings 
all very spiritual, very high vibes, positive energy stuff. And you won't just get that. You get a sticker, you'll get a handwritten letter from me. And uh, yeah, some other mystery stuff. I always have fun, including interesting things in the gift packages that I've sent out, stickers and whatnot. Um, If you sign up for the Patreon, you do get a sticker. Just be sure to send me your address. And uh, and you know what? As a matter of fact, if you send the pod inbox, if you leave us a message and you send me your address, I'll send you a sticker. That's right. So leave us some messages on the pod inbox. And uh, yeah, moving onward. Enjoy your December. We'll be out with some really awesome new episodes next week. Got some really great guests lined up. As you heard earlier, Homie Romy and I will be doing a show on resonant or energetic architecture. Still not sure how to define it, but stay tuned for that. And thank you for listening to the My Family Makes a Crazy Podcast. Adios.